Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is PhotoLog. Welcome, podcast listeners, to episode 60. Episode 60 doesn't really mean anything because we did a one-year special, but since it's a nice round number, I'm going to call out episode 60. We've been doing it a while. It's great. (laughs) We've been doing it a while. Well, last episode, um, we did a little test, a little uh, in-the-news show where we talked about what's going on out there in the photography news sphere and today we're doing another in the news special but for our own personal projects so you heard about the outside world and now you're going to hear about the inside world or at least our sphere of work the um, news so scoop that you won't hear on f-stoppers exactly you're not going to hear this <laughs> on f-stoppers unless we suddenly become famous overnight um Doubtful. so yeah today is the personal project update we got a few uh projects to chat about so, so what what kind of projects are you working on, Stuart? Um, well, um, I have four main projects to talk about. Whoa. I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, um, uh, mine are uh, yours are part of a, a grand overall scheme, and mine are all very scattered, um, as usual for the stuff. Yeah. I work so, what on, you got so. going on? Yeah, um, so I've got uh, I got them split up into more reasonable and then more uh, difficult uh, projects. Um, so we can start with the reasonable or easier camp. Um, one is this drone license thing. This is actually kind of a project for both of us. Um, it is. But I'm doing some research, I'm doing some practice. Uh, I just took. I kind of was re-inspired because, as we mentioned uh, in the last episode. Um, the now even if you're a recreational pilot, you have to take this trust exam, um, which is you can't fail it. It's a really simple exam that the uh, FAA believes will have some sort of impact, um, even though it will have probably zero impact. But that inspired me to start researching and actually get a real uh, drone license. Um, fun fact: I used to operate commercially as a drone pilot way back. Uh, in the early days before it was regulated yeah before it was regulated and and practically before we had like good gimbal uh gimbals mounted on drones and stuff like when it was really early days and you just had to be a you had to have a steady hand to get any good shots um and uh yeah i'm kind of getting back into it a little bit here and there um i've flown recreationally pretty consistently but i'd like to uh refine my skills a little bit more and ideally get a license so that I can operate commercially again or at least have the option to. Um, So I'm doing some research into that. When will it exactly happen? I don't know. But um, soon. It is the summertime now, so it's the time to get it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the time to practice. It's the time to practice. And uh, with that practice, you might as well just go ahead and do the whole um, license. Uh, There are there is uh, rather tons of free um, instructional material out there and there are some paid courses and I'm kind of going back and forth comparing them to see what is the best thing. I think I'm going to try to do it for free. I'm going to try to find enough free good information out there so that uh, you're not paying, you know, um, one to two to three hundred dollars on a course. Uh, but we'll see. If that's the best option. Um, then that could be worth something. But yeah, a drone license slash drone practice um, this summer. Um, I actually did bring it, uh, 
to a location where I could fly it safely over the weekend, and then I didn't fly it. So that shows you how good the process is going so far. Dude, that <laughs> happens to me all the time. I will bring either my 360 camera or my drone or like uh, my GoPro with, with the small gimbal I have mm-hmm. and just always forget to break out any of them. I just... Yep. I'll, I'll use my main camera, and then I'm like, oh, right, I have multiple niche cameras, and I just never use them. Yeah. Shot a little bit with a GoPro um, on some things, but didn't shoot with the drones. So um, that's actually for the best, because one of the things I visited was a um, funny, because we just talked about this last episode, but I visited a bird nesting habitat on the on a beach. And uh, yeah, if I had flown a drone there, I would have done the exact thing that I told everybody not to. Um, so... Uh, yeah, and the funny thing is, is I didn't know it was there. I just kind of stumbled upon it while walking, and I'm like, well, it's good I didn't bring the drone because I wouldn't be using it anyway. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. So the birds were safe. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so you, you said you had four projects. What else you got going on? Uh, all right. Um, well, the second, what I would term the easy projects, is uh, refining and finally compiling a voiceover reel. Uh, fun fact, I've also operated as a voiceover artist, I guess you could say, although I think artist is a, a little bit of a silly term for me personally. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've done some voiceover work in the past, uh, commercial voiceover work, um, a little bit of acting kind of stuff here and there. I really enjoy it. I want to put a, uh, put a reel together so that I can finally do that. I've been talking about it for probably years at this point um do i have any intention of being a full-time professional voice actor uh not really but um i would like to occasionally jump in on projects and if you don't have a reel nobody takes it seriously so i've been doing some practice reads um i might even do some uh like audiobook narration as well as practice uh to build up my voiceover skills i'm a little out of practice on that stuff so yeah working on a voiceover reel of all things for somebody who works mostly in the visual field um that's kind of a fun distraction uh where i can just use my voice uh also just kind of refining my audio recording environment um this actually works okay all things considered um since it's just a home office but i'm kind of fiddling with things and um, working on uh, soundproofing and looking at options there. So, uh, one of these yeah. days, it would be really fun to take your camera, flip around, and look at your desk and just tell the people about all the gadgets and gizmos and setup you yeah, got there. Yeah, you actually you actually <laughs> saw my desk recently, so you see the current the current setup. Uh, yeah, it's a little crazy, um, but uh, as I work from home uh, full time. Now, uh, I have kind of a ridiculous desk setup, so works for me. It's overkill, yeah. I won't deny, but um, I it, it also isn't the best sonic environment for recording. No, you've There's got like, a lot of computers and fans yeah. going on right next to and you. It, it works okay. This this mic does a pretty good job of, of getting rid of a lot of that stuff, but um, I would like to have more of a, if not a dedicated space, then a better environment for this stuff. And And as I've talked about before, um, you know, that kind of folds into more of a real home studio space for recording stuff. Um, I've kind of worked on that on and off, but I always um, fill that space with stuff and other projects that I'm working on. And I never keep it clean for <laughs> pure studio use. So I will have to figure that out as well. 
But uh, yeah, oh voiceover no! Tell me what that's like not having a clean studio. <laughs> I don't. I I don't know, Stuart. I no. I've been keeping the home <laughs> office relatively clean. The home studio space in a small garage is not uh, in the best state. But uh, yeah, neither out is mine. Well, that's cool that you're doing voiceover work. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually working on the uh, video reel, and we are one shot away from having a finished video reel. So close. We're- we're this close. It'll be it'll be coming coming out on the YouTube channel soon. So that's nice. cool. Yeah. All right. So yeah. uh, second category. Uh, now that we've covered the easier things, um, the harder things. So those are the more interesting things. Yeah. So the first one is something that I've worked on uh, both professionally and increasingly um, personally uh, in my own interests is building a handheld like roving live stream rig now. You could say, well, I mean, just use your phone and maybe use your phone on a handheld gimbal if you really want to go nuts with it. Yeah, that is that is how I've been op- operating um, a lot of my roving live streaming tests um, and some of the work I've done in the professional sphere, which works pretty well, um, to be fair, as a easy to start up kind of setup. But I would like to explore taking it to the next level and past this point are you know different audio options you know putting uh putting shotgun mics or putting what i'd really like is some sort of um binaural mic system you can get mics that you can actually put in your ears and use your ears so that your the viewer actually hears exactly what you're hearing in three-dimensional space um there's cameras uh putting you know a small camera on some sort of handheld rig or gimbal that you can really get a very nice high quality stream out of. Um, but of course, running that into a stream is difficult, right? You need something to process it. Um, Stuart, you need to throw a red epic on a switch pod. Yeah, a red epic on a switch pod. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, so I'm looking at all those sorts of things. So, um, that, that's very nebulous, and that's kind of why it's difficult is like, how far do you want to go, right? Do you go for a red epic on a switch pod, <laughs> or do you. <laughs> have slightly more reasonable expectations. Um, and so, yeah, I've been, I've been doing some, some experimentation. Uh, processing the video is the hardest thing. For the most part, you know, cameras, audio, some of that stuff can be worked out pretty easily, but um, actually streaming that out is difficult. So, like, if you want to use your phone as a data connection, um, you need something to run your stream into that phone. And phones have various degrees of of ability to intake uh, footage and there are there's stuff like the yolo box that are like dedicated hardware um i don't really have a huge budget for this uh so i'm just kind of seeing what i can throw together uh personally and how much i can stretch an android phone to uh take things in through its usb uh, c port um so yeah it's it's been an interesting experiment so far uh there's a lot of things i want to do for it uh, or do with with such a rig, but um, it's something that increasingly is of interest to me. And um, doing some live streams and stuff, I've I've kind of done some experiments in the past, and I really like it. I I like the although you have increased pressure of performing live, uh, you have decreased pressure in that like your live stream is done. And if you really want to edit it, fine, you can. But kind of the nature of it being a little bit. Um, a little bit raw, a little bit in the moment. Um, almost like this show. <laughs> yeah, almost like this show is really fun to me. So I've been playing around with that. And the last one 
is unless you have any questions <laughs> the last well, i was just gonna say like once uh right now you said you're playing and experimenting i would mm-hmm. love to uh maybe do an episode on your finished setup when yeah when, one day down the road when you have that definitely yeah i would like to and part of this is i want it all to be like in a little box or really like all contained into one thing so i would like this to be able to be replicated if somebody wants to do a good quality roving live stream that it's all in a small package um, so that's very important to me and i don't really want to sacrifice that um for other aspects uh, so it should be interesting but um yeah we can touch base on that in the future um and the last one that i have is uh very very complicated and who knows if it'll actually happen but i am in early discussions with another uh diver or two to do underwater dive tour videos um this is granted a fairly narrow market uh but it's more for the fun of producing these than anything else um it's very technically complicated uh it requires you know insane lighting to punch through the murky water we have here in the pacific it really does um and uh the housings and like the risks you're putting your camera to um if you want to do something you know more substantial than a gopro and uh audio as well is extremely difficult right do you shoot it with just you know and throw away the audio or do you try to do a live narrated audio solution and that's what i'm trying to do which is very complicated requires full face masks and wireless comms and all sorts of stuff that uh falls apart underwater even if it's gear that's intended for that purpose it's just very difficult um so yeah i'm working on this uh underwater dive tours concept um with a friend or two um and we'll see how that all works out but that's the ultra complicated one we're hoping to get that going this year sometime this summer uh but there's so many moving parts and there's so much testing and there's so many technical things that need to be solved uh that that is uh not anything i'm guaranteeing in the near future <laughs> there are so many pieces let's just shoot one little thing there's so many pieces that have to go right well you now. also just said that you have four different things that you're working on so Correct. you know one yeah. at a time <laughs> <laughs> one at a time they'll, they'll but, come uh, out but yeah i'm insisting so well I shouldn't say insisting, maybe that's strong, uh, strong wording, but I am very, very excited about live narration, um, a, a host actually narrating while they're diving in that environment. I think that brings a much more personal touch than a disembodied voice that's narrating later, as much as I just talked about enjoying voiceovers. Um, I think being there in the moment and narrating it and being there live is really cool and I would really like to make that happen. Very, very few productions are able to pull that off. And pretty much you only see it in like Nat Geo and, and really high budget like Discovery style stuff. Um, so I am trying to put together that kind of experience on a very low budget uh, for somebody that doesn't work for those organizations. Um, <laughs> so we'll see how well I can do it. But I do have a lot of the equipment already. Um, so it's it's possible it's just complicated it is possible though <laughs> we'll see i'll be like the only person in the world who does this as a non <laughs> nagio or discovery channel person if i can pull it off but uh we'll see we'll see and i'm not That'll saying that i'm hosting it either by the way i might just do production stuff we'll see <laughs> <laughs> no guarantees it'll actually appear on camera <laughs> well that sounds neat you have a lot of varied different projects ahead of you <laughs> yeah i'm uh i'm scattered with this stuff uh probably to my detriment because i'm not focusing on one thing and doing it well i'm trying to do a lot of different things uh at the same time so 
don't be me, kids. <laughs> Do one <laughs> thing well. This is how I work, which is be an extreme generalist and bounce he around. Says, he says making a lot time. of money for a tech company because he's a magical unicorn of skills. Well, yeah. I, I, uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I do too many different things. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, uh, enough about me. Uh, I've talked way too much about myself. So what about you, Ben? What are you um, working on? I don't have anything nearly as fascinating as uh, under underwater dive tours. Uh, I'm just I'm just shooting sexy photos of, of nerdy people. Um, <laughs> so I mean, that's I'm... exciting. <laughs> I am uh, doing my second Galactic Pinups calendar, which uh, I keep talking about because it's on Kickstarter right now, galacticpinups.com. Um, we talked uh, about this a little bit on how to have a successful Kickstarter, and the irony of it is, is I was really hoping to get it funded like day one, and we're not quite there yet. Oh, where are you at? Um, uh, we're at sixty-six percent. So, oh, so we still close, we though. still got some time left. We're still going. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll definitely get there. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's progress has slowed a little bit. And I think a lot of that is in part of when I launched the Kickstarter for the first one, seven out of the photo, seven of the photos were already finished. And I put them on the Kickstarter page and said, I'm finishing the other ones right now. Hmm. And when I launched this one, one was finished. And that was simply because COVID delayed the production schedule. But, hey, when does a Kickstarter have to come out for me to actually print a calendar? That doesn't change, regardless of COVID. So I just finished... I actually just now, uh, like two days ago, finished shoot number seven. Um, And for this particular one, I'm actually outsourcing some of the more complicated edits. Because Mm -hmm. um, the last calendar, there was only one photo that had a completely fake background. There was uh, one photo where I shot it in a room, and then I shot these board sets, like theater prop sets, essentially, that we made. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I basically replaced the wall with the texture of the theater prop set to, like, make a new fake room. Um, But besides that, there's only one that was actually, like, a fake composite. Everything else was a real set on a real place and when reddit screamed oh bad photoshop my nephew can do better i'm like except it wasn't photoshop so there's that uh but this one most of them are photoshopped even the ones that i planned on doing um in person had some kind of hitch that i'm trying to composite so um I, I I picked out four that we can kind of talk about, like, behind the scenes and, like, what goes into a photo shoot and stuff that I think are interesting to people. Um, that, like, you, you kind of made it, like, easy and hard. Uh, the easy ones is, like, um, I shot Brondo, and that was just uh, make the prop can, make it authentic to the thing. So I had a friend who owned a brewery um, give me a six-pack of blank cans before they got their official labels. Um, and then I made the Brondo labels, put them, put them on the cans. I went to thrift shopping for several weeks and tried to find every piece of clothing it looked like Uncle Sam threw up on. And then uh, I found someone who had a legit military Humvee. And so it's like, oh, yeah, that's the easy one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just get all the pieces together and get then shoot in one, it one spot <laughs> yeah so so that one the composite was literally just uh shoot him low cut out the sky put in the dust bowl background rather than the person's driveway like pretty nice. pretty easy mostly in camera um but the another shot that we actually did that day was um we shot kaylee from firefly doing the mutter's milk 
uh, thing. Mm. And so I needed to look like Janestown, like this big mud pit. And I thought, like, let's just find an engine, throw it in a mud pit, and then put the model in the mud pit. And, like, there you go. No compositing required. Well, I found the engine, and it took us an hour to move it about 15 feet. So so we just shot it right there in the dude's backyard. And I'm like, oh, this is a composite now. Because we're in a in on a lawn with a suburb and fences and houses and okay, mm-hmm. um, did the did the best I could. Uh, so yeah, those are those are kind of the easy ones. Um, like, yeah, well, uh, and and things are still partially logged down. So I mean, you got to work. You know, composites are a way to work with what you got. You know, that's that's, that's you absolutely true. Yeah. yeah. Um. So one of the things that I was able to find is uh, I've I was trying to shoot in a bar. But obviously, it wasn't until just recently that bars are actually, like, opening up full mm-hmm. to patrons and stuff. Um, so I found a friend who actually built a bar as a guest house in his backyard. Oh, but wild. And so so it was easy because all I have to do is drive out to his house. And then he's like, here you go. Here's my bar. Have at it. But um, because it's, like, a guest house in his backyard, it's only, like, 160 square feet. Oh, which uh, okay. that... For reference, my room in college was 168 square feet, so this is 8 square feet less, and I had a twin bed that touched 3 out of the 4 walls, so it's a really small room. Um, That one, like, it was easy enough to just, like, find and get access to the bar. The hard part was actually lighting it. Mm, Yeah, Um, I would imagine. Like, it's a small space, so how do you deal with that? Yeah, so you can't really use light stands. I had, I think, four lights, but none of them were... Only one of them was on a stand. Um, one of them, uh, he had a hook where, like, uh, he has a little... Since it's a guest house, um, he has a loft, and the bed has a loft. Well, there's a ladder that hangs on a hook, and what I did was I took the ladder out, and um, I basically put a piece of grip gear, like, in the hook and hung an LED panel from that hook. Um, and then I had another one. Um, he had a cabinet where he has like a hook for a dartboard. So instead of hanging the dartboard, I hung another led panel. Um, and then there's, uh, all, and then what I did was he had a bunch of built in lights that looked really good, like lighting the bar and everything. So rather than making it full flash, I, I basically used all of his ambient lighting and instead of doing, you know, full flash like I normally do, I and overpowering the existing lighting, I had to like mix and meld with it and kind of mm-hmm. blend. Um, and then I think I put uh, my Aperture MC just like on the bar, just to uplight just a little bit of like the bottles and stuff behind. Those MCs, man, they're so handy. <laughs> they really are. That was just a last minute addition that like you barely even notice, but it just gave the little bit of pop that mm-hmm. to kind of add a little separation for the model in the background. But uh, and LED yeah, lights so- in general, like that's what's really cool. I think about this story to me is that. Uh, uh, you know, something like, you know, a strobe in a softbox is like a no-go for this kind of space. And um, using using constant LED lights that are so much smaller and thinner and you can just kind of cram everywhere um, are something that I think 
I think too many people ignore. They think, oh, photo lighting is is momentary lighting. Um, and this is a great example of, yeah. you know, whatever fits in the space is the lighting. <laughs> there, it, it was interesting because I definitely had to have a mental shift to be able to mm-hmm. pull that shot off. Um, part of the mental shift was making sure that I slow down and, and get everything sharp. Because one of the hazards that you run into with, um, with constant lighting is you're opening up your shutter speeds so much yeah. um he's either that or cranking your iso which i didn't want to do you're opening up your shutter speed you're if you're not locked down on a tripod you're introducing the possibility for blur and because i was shooting a pinup and i was you know moving around and getting all these angles i wasn't locked down so so that was definitely a challenge i definitely lost some shots just because of focus um but i also noticed because it was constant light and i wasn't having to wait for the strobes to recycle i took like three or four as many times as many photos as i normally take because uh, normally i take the photo it flashes and then i move take the photo it flashes and instead what was happening is i was going pop 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 so i'm getting three or four um part of that was simply because i know some of these will be um blurry so i'm trying to make sure that like i I don't get a blink or something Mm -hmm. um, or, or just blur um, or accurate focus. Uh, The other thing too, is when I do that, I rock just a little bit as I'm doing that pop, 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 because maybe the front one's out of focus and the back one's out of focus, but one of the ones in the middle is going to be perfect, but you have to rock slow enough that you're not introducing that motion blur too. It's, it's a thing anyway. Yeah. Difficult. So yeah, Uh, that was the easy one. (laughs) Those are the easy ones. All right. (laughs) Well, then, um, if that's the easy, then then what's difficult? Like, uh, I mean, that's an incredibly yeah, challenging so, lighting environment. What do you So there are there are two shoots that I did. Um, they were here in the studio, so it was a lot easier for me to wrangle. But the amount of prep required and um, planning and then the actual shoot day itself was tremendous. So one is we shot a gender-bent uh, Willy Wonka. Um, doing the fizzy lifting drink oh, and then so okay. so for that one um, I basically wanted her to be a very bendy banana shape and just like floating in the air like someone picked her up by by her ankles um, and so everyone was telling me like oh you have to get an aerialist but I already had the model picked out but the model did have a bunch of dance experience so we basically um, got like a yoga hammock rig um, and then I set up a variety of c-stands and uh, apple boxes and even my ladder just a normal ladder um, just to have all these riggings of like okay put your hand on this rest it on this okay um, on three go ahead and kind of kick your feet up I'm gonna grab your feet I'm gonna rest them on this rung of the ladder um, oh, wow. <laughs> it was uh, and then for that one it was like okay so so this shape doesn't seem humanly possible or at least like you're gonna hurt yourself so we're going to try and do it in stages let's let's focus on getting your feet perfect in this shot and then we'll kind of rest your feet in a position that's close but not as strenuous for you and let's work on getting you know your face and your hands in this shot um and then of course because she had the yoga hammock around her waist well now we need one where you're not using the yoga hammock so there's a whole nother thing we had to do for that so it was just kind of like all of the like rigging and prep um to to make all of that happen and then of course uh she's topless and but she's wearing like a men's blazer type thing um so so fat we fashion tapes down the blazer but it's okay how does physics interact when you're hanging someone upside down in a sports coat like (laughs) 
tricky, tricky. There, yeah. So yeah, there so, were there were some weird. So you're actually compositing like her legs and stuff in the shot, right? Or am I understanding that yeah, correctly? Yeah. All so, right. So it's, so everything's a composite, including the subject. Yeah. So so this one <laughs> this one's weird because wow. I very much wanted it to be like like a real shot i don't mm-hmm. want to just you know grab puppet warp tool and do everything and be like it's fake photoshop so the thing is i have photos where her legs are doing that weird bendy thing but she's doing like a complete handstand and then i have other photos where she's kind of lying horizontal in the hammock and then she's bending up a lot but the thing is like i'm not having her bend her legs and her top torso at the same time because don't break your model you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that kind of thing um yeah so that that one was uh interesting but it wasn't nearly as hard to do as the milk splash shoot that i did for princess zelda a milk splash shoot okay yeah so um stewart you're you're a backer of the kickstarter have you seen that backer update (laughs) yes (laughs) yeah so so uh this one is uh because it is so risque uh it is a backer only update if you want to go see that photo Mm -hmm. um so galacticpinups.com go back it anyway uh we only we only need like to sell 40 more calendars uh to get fully funded so we're almost there people um Make it so, yeah, for, for this one, uh, it was a four-hour shoot. Uh, hour number one was kind of fine-tuning the lighting and fine-tuning her pose. And once we had her, like, exact pose figured out, it's hold that exact pose for the next three hours. Ooh, brutal. And, the, yeah, so so we had uh, one assistant. The assistant was uh, her husband for her comfort. And so uh, the model is nude because the shot is an implied nude. And then our assistant is splashing milk on her body. So shot number one is, like, he throws a bunch of milk onto her hip. And then shot number two, he throws a bunch of milk onto, like, her chest. And then shot number three, he throws a bunch of milk onto her arm. It's like, okay, now let's go to the other side. So I think the finished photo... Uh, had somewhere in the I shot over 400 splashes in that in that three hours and I think the finished photo used 170 ish of them wow that's a ton so yeah it, it sounds crazy at first with like it taking four hours to do one shot but if you're doing you know 170 photos that are composited just for the milk splash stuff That's, yeah and yeah. then it and then it took three days of good. retouching <laughs> yeah it took three days of retouching to stitch wow. all of the splashes together in a way that like um i had to make sure that like if she hit, shifted her body or her torso or something that i wasn't laying in a shot that uh, the splash might look good but then i had to kind of liquefy and like uh massage the splash into the original pose that we shot because you don't want her to look like disfigured or distorted or, you know, just like, oh, I look way fatter there than I should have been. And it's like, oh, that's because I added extra over here where there was splash. No, you have to like mold it back into the original pose. So, yeah, so it is, was it was interesting. What does the post-production um, look like for those for those milk splashes? Like, did you come up against anything that you weren't expecting or um like i mean once you once you got everything right you're you're done <laughs> you're you had there shot was... all of those like what what did you come up against in post-production anything I, I will say when we finished shooting there was one spot that did not have enough coverage and i went and used a stock photo oh all of right. a milk splash but all the other ones are, and no i won't tell you which spot <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, see, that's the test. If you can't tell, then it doesn't matter, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so the the thing was, we're not only are we going for just full coverage to make it look like a dress, but to amp up how difficult this is on myself, it needed to look specifically like Princess Zelda's dress from Ocarina of Time, mm. with the shoulder pauldrons and everything. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a rough one. Um, so post-production for that one is the first one is uh, I just kind of do pass number one uh, and get rid of anything that uh, where like my timing was bad and the splash didn't happen or uh, I look at it and when I look at all the splashes, there's just nothing interesting um, so I just kind of go through and I just immediately call out all the garbage. Um, and then, uh, shot number two was we had a variety of different ones. So we had, um, small splashes, big splashes, and pores because all three of those interacted with how the milk kind of came off her skin differently. So the small splashes were really targeted and I got some really good shapes, the big splashes didn't give me shapes as much, but they got a lot more skin coverage. But then there were some spots where uh, the splashes just were not working, and it was just uh, leaving a bunch of kind of like water droplets and lumps. And I wanted the milk to be smoother, kind of like running down her like shoulders and chest. Um, so that one is we did pores. So I, I kind of put them into the three different stacks. Uh, I let my computer render overnight to build this uh, insanely large file that would not save... <laughs> um it was 40 something gigabytes oh wow um, for a single file yeah so so the thing is like it would save as a psb technically but um the it's, it wasn't photoshop that had li the limitation it said i'm sorry you're out of ram you cannot save this file <laughs> <laughs> uh so so uh before before i click save or my computer crash um i basically looked at all my layers and uh i threw everything down to like 20 percent opacity so i can kind of see them all on top of each other and then just kind of went through and did another round of culling just kind of toggling layers on and off on and off until i had like a rough idea of everything and then i got it down to like a 17 gigabyte file um, <laughs> and then from there on, it's just like, okay, that took like a full day. Just do that part. And now the actual Photoshop part begins where you're actually like, uh, it was all shot in studio. So there was no color adjustment or anything that needed to happen. Um, but there were definitely, uh, some like opacity opaqueness issues. Um, we watered down the milk near the end of the shoot just a little bit too much because we were trying to warm it up. So she was comfortable. Um, but then, then it was like, it it looked more like clear liquid rather than milk liquid so yeah, uh, yeah was... i was, was going to ask why you watered it down so you were watering it down just for we were adding a little bit of hot water to yeah. um just just warm it up yeah all right tricky tricky stuff wow yeah um running out of ram to save a single photo <laughs> i guess is about about as peak difficulty as you possibly can get <laughs> and yeah so the thing is like uh i was also shooting this with my 5ds so i it was stacked oh, so 200 huge. it was 250 yeah. megapixel files all into a single stack yeah it wow. was nuts crazy crazy in raw because that's how i roll yo <laughs> that's how you do it so yeah, the uh, the pinup calendar has been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work. Um, the next things that I need to find are a wooden tub, a taxi, and uh, I believe a big cargo crate. 
All right. So those those are teasers for the next next couple <laughs> next couple of shoots I have coming. Yeah, and if you back the project, then you will see those teasers and the progress as it happens. And the finished photo of the milk splash. Exactly. Yeah, you'll see the milk splash photo. So definitely go back at what you said. You only had like 40, 40 left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so, so a, a lot of uh, um a lot of backers get multiple calendars. So mm-hmm. I go by how many calendars, not how many backers. So we are 40 calendars away from hitting our goal. Uh, we're pretty close. It's going to be a print run of 500. So that tells you, like, we're almost there. Yeah, nice. We're getting there. Nice. Yeah. So everybody go back um, back the project. Uh, Galacticpinups.com leave... will redirect you directly to the Kickstarter. Yeah. And if you've already backed it, maybe uh, get some more for uh, friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, been some personal projects of the easy and difficult um, varieties. Uh, maybe and here we thought this the, was going to be a short episode. Yeah, maybe <laughs> the insanely difficult variety. I don't have any – I haven't run out of RAM on anything recently, so I, <laughs> I can't say that I'm doing anything that's, uh, that's that taxing. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, crazy stuff. Um, so, yeah, episode 60, another news episode, but for personal projects. Now you know what's going on in our life. You little stalkers, you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we do hope that you enjoyed this one. Um, be sure to go back the pinup calendar if that's the thing that interests you. Or just uh, make sure you subscribe to whatever podcast platform. You know, share, tell your friends. Uh, find us on YouTube. All of, all of that helps promote the channel. Um, sure. And if you are so inclined, uh, we also have a Patreon. It is patreon.com slash creative. There's a link to it. Uh, everywhere thanks for listening if you have questions or ideas for future episodes you can email us at hello at photo op dot show watch us on ben's youtube channel at non-creative as in om nom nom share this with a friend and you can listen to photo op anywhere podcasts are sold or download because it. it's free